I mentioned in my sermon last week that that sermon and the sermon today were going to be a sort of two-part uh, message. So today's part two. And before I jump right into the text for today, I thought I'd do a quick recap of last week's text. So if you remember, we looked at Psalm 111. So we've got a pop quiz for you this morning. Was Psalm 111, is it a psalm of praise or a psalm of lament? All right, hey, there we go. Okay, yes, it is a psalm of praise and adoration to God. It begins with these words, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. All right, so now bonus question. This, this is a uh, uh, little, little more involved. Do you remember what was significant about Psalm 111? What was significant about its structure? Oh, okay, got it. Okay, it's an acrostic poem as well. And we miss that in the English. There's no way to replicate that in the English. But in the Hebrew, the original language, as you go through the lines of Psalm 111... It goes through each letter, or it begins, each line begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes through all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order. And so not only is it this wonderful psalm of praising God, but it has this really detailed structure that's really neat. And I think what the psalmist is trying to express in that and trying to communicate in that is that the glory of God goes just beyond our words. There's something more to the glory of God. Well, as we looked at the, the message of Psalm 111, just the words of it, what it says, uh, I focused on two major themes. The first being the works of God, and the second being the character of God. And each of these themes, the works of God and the character of God, compel us to praise God. And that's where the psalm, it's this psalm of exaltation and praise. When we are confronted, when we, are, when we come to that realization where we see something, we go, that's God. Or when we, we learn about God and we read in his word about who God is, it compels us to praise. We are left in awe and wonder. So, again, our text last week, Psalm 111, I mentioned how it's a two-part sermon, in a way, because it's connected with Psalm 112. And uh, before I read Psalm 112, let's offer a prayer. Loving God, great are your works, and great is your faithfulness. We exalt you, for there is none like you. Only you can satisfy the void of our souls. So may your word revive our hearts, renew our minds, and redirect our steps. Grant us wisdom and joy, we pray. Amen. So Psalm 112, let's just start with reading it all the way through here. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. 
he will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So first, let's draw a few comparisons between Psalm 111 that we looked at last week and Psalm 112 that I just read. So they both begin with the exact same words. Praise the Lord, or in Hebrew, hallelujah. They both have the exact same number of verses, 10. And if you look more closely at each of the 10 verses, you'll notice that they mirror each other and how many lines are in each verse. And because of that, because they, they kind of mirror each other so well, you might also be able to infer there's something else that connects them that we don't see on the surface, that we don't see in English. And that is because Psalm 112, just like Psalm 111, is also an acrostic poem. And it works and it's structured exactly the same way as Psalm 111. So there's some intentionality there. There's been some great thought going into these these two psalms that, you know, a lot of times we just separate, we read one psalm, and then maybe the next day or later we read another psalm. These are actually connected. Uh, Even though they're two separate psalms, they're connected. And we've only been talking about the structure so far, and we'll look at how are they connected and what they say and what they mean. There's one more link And this is kind of where I left off last week and said I'd pick up this week. And so we're going to turn our attention there now. And that link is this idea of fearing God, of fearing the Lord. If you remember last week, Psalm 111, it ended with this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And that's where it ended. Now look at where Psalm 112 begins. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. When you think about Psalm 111, what we looked at last week as a whole, again, it focused on the praise of the glory and the greatness of God because of God's works and because of God's character And having an understanding of God's works and God's character leads us to be in awe of God, which that's what the psalmist means by having a fear of God. Psalm 112 begins with one who is in awe of God, having that fear of the Lord. And then it continues on because it describes what it looks like. For that person to live their life with a, with a right and exalted understanding of God. So it's almost like Psalm 111 is the theology. Psalm 112 is the life application. Not, not a great analogy, but that's kind of what's, what's happening here. Psalm 111 is a psalm of praise. Psalm 112 is a psalm of wisdom for how we live our lives. And this idea of fearing the Lord links the two psalms together. Psalm 112 picks up right where Psalm 111 left off. And you could say that it's, a, it's actually a continuation of Psalm 111. 
So it's important to see how these two psalms work together because taken together as a whole, they describe how our understanding of God has a relevance because it shapes our lives. It shapes our decisions. It shapes our actions. It shapes the way we think and how we, how we live our lives. It, it shapes our perspective on life and the choices that we make. A.W. Tozer once wrote, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll let that one sink in a little bit. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us because it shapes everything. So how do you view God? That question, I think, is the underlying question of these psalms. Because the higher our view and understanding of God, the more we live our lives with godly wisdom. So as as I also mentioned last week, so it says the fear of the Lord uh, leads to wisdom. And this fear of the Lord does not mean being terrified of God. That's That's not what that means. I think it was the reformer Martin Luther who talked about the fear of the Lord being a filial fear, a type of fear as in a a child's relationship to their parent where the child wants to honor and respect their parent because they highly value that loving relationship. That's the type of fear and, in a sense, respect and reverence that we are to have of God. Fearing the Lord shouldn't just be a, a casual thing of, oh, yeah, love God. God is good. You know, it, it requires more of us. It's a reverence. It's an awe. It's a respect of how we live our lives and how we submit to God in all areas of our life. When we acknowledge God's greatness, his holiness, his majesty, his works, his glory, we are also acknowledging or should be acknowledging our submission to God, meaning that we surrender ourselves to God's authority. Like the, like the song, song we just sang, I surrender all. That type of, of mindset of presenting ourselves before God and say, God, I surrender all so that you may be all. Another author, Jerry Bridges, he wrote, clearly the issue of God's authority over his creatures is one of the most basic principles of scripture. It underlies everything else. What scripture draws us into is to see God as more and us as less. And we'll talk about this in a second, but there's kind of a a paradox in that. But before we get there, let's look a little more closer at just Psalm 112, just the first verse again. I'll ask, what does it say about the person who fears the Lord? It said, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in God's commandments. The one who fears the Lord is the one who delights in God's commandments. Typically, we don't put the word fear and delight in the same thought, right? We would almost think that those are almost antonyms, you know, like just far away from one another. But in the psalm, it connects the two, that the fear of the Lord is the one who delights in God's commandments. Fearing the Lord is not an oppressive burden. Rather, the one who fears the Lord is the one who has tasted and seen that the Lord is good who knows that God's ways are trustworthy, that God is faithful and loving and just and righteous, and who knows that his words, his commandments, 
are not to bring us down, but to lift us up because they are life-giving and they are true. So this brings us to the topic of, of humility, back to this topic of, of being people who say, yes, God, I surrender all. Because I think humility is the most important characteristic that we can, or quality that we can practice in our lives. God calls us to practice and to live out humility each and every day. And in humility, we're, we're placing ourselves lower and God higher. We're placing others around us as, be, as higher than ourselves. We're serving, we're loving, we're making ourselves vulnerable in that aspect. We're opening ourselves up to what it truly means to love the Lord our God with all of our soul, our heart, our mind, our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because real love, that type of love re- requires, it demands our humility. So undergirding God's great commands to love is the need for us to live out our lives with humility. So there's a, I mentioned a paradox. And the paradox is between humility and honor. Because what's interesting is that humility, biblically speaking, humility and honor are connected. There's this theme that runs throughout the whole of the Bible which says humility brings honor, but pride brings disgrace. Meaning that the one who exalts himself will be brought low. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's, it's, it's really, when you look at the Bible and you read either stories or just even the Proverbs, what Jesus says, that's, that's a theme that runs all throughout. Humility brings honor, but one's own self-pride brings disgrace. Humility. That's the quality we live by, or the characteristic we live by if we are to honor God with our lives. Because when we do that, when we live with humility, we honor God. And then when we honor God, we bring honor to ourselves because we are reflecting God's very character. We are called to love and to serve, and we we do that. We show forth God's love to others. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. This, this place of being in a blessed state. That's how the psalm begins. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. That's what God desires. God blesses us when we submit, when we surrender all, when we live with humility before God. So fearing God, delighting in God's commandments and walking in God's truth, it doesn't imprison us. It doesn't put chains on us. What it actually does is it sets us free. Our greatest purpose in life is not our own selfishness or glory or our own success or fame or wealth or power, but it's to live for God's glory and to be empowered by him, him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. But the cost for us is that we are to lay down our crowns so that God will exalt us as we serve God and others. I want to mention uh, two other verses, both from Proverbs, that talk about the fear of the Lord and and the results from that. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. That one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
To live with wisdom, with godly wisdom, requires a humility before God and a fear of the Lord. But that fear of the Lord gives us life. It helps us to, to live into the people, the persons that God has created us to be. So for a sort of life application moment, let's wrap up the lesson by looking kind of at the whole of Psalm 112 and naming just a few characteristics of the one who fears the Lord. And I just have four quick points um, about the one who fears the Lord. So the first thing that Psalm 112 says about the one who fears the Lord is, as we already mentioned, one who delights in God's word. From the very first verse, the one who fears the Lord delights in God's word or commandments. The second thing, the one who fears the Lord reflects God's own character. If you look at verse 4, it speaks of the one who fears the Lord saying, He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. If you think back to Psalm 111, the previous psalm, it says that God is gracious and merciful. So as we fear the Lord, we, we embody God's characteristics. We reflect God's characteristics to the world. Point three, the one who fears the Lord is generous. There's this outward expression. We don't just, uh, you know, take it all for ourselves, but we, we live out what God has given us and what God has called us to do. Verse five says, It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Verse nine, speaking of the, the same person, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. The one who fears the Lord is generous. We're outward focused. We're gospel focused, not self-focused. And lastly, the one who fears the Lord trusts God in all circumstances. Verse 7, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. We're all going to receive bad news. We're all going to experience situations that we'd rather not. May your heart be firm and trust in the Lord. So these past Sunday, two Sundays, I hope you've you know, at least maybe learned something about Psalm 111, 112, that, that they uh, serve in as acrostic poem, that they're connected, that uh, um, they, give in, they talk about God's works and God's glory and God's character and also lead us into living our lives for God's glory, representing God in this world. But I hope you'll continue to meditate on them. To meditate on the words and see how amazing our God is. Because his works and his character should leave us in awe. And the greatness and glory of God should captivate us. Should leave us in this holy reverence where we're in awe of God. Where we have this fear of God that stirs our hearts to delight in God. And to delight in God's word and his commandments. And to seek to live out our lives with humility and love to honor God that we may reflect his character and his generosity, his kindness, as we place our trust in him. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. Amen. Let us go to God in, in prayer. Lord, you are great and holy and righteous and merciful and loving. Lord, we thank you for your works, for the works of creation, for the works of redemption. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your character. That you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
Lord, may we live in a holy fear, a godly fear, that we would live our lives with godly wisdom, that we would be your people on this earth to represent you and your character, that we would live with love, with grace, with generosity, with joy and peace. Lord, embolden us by your spirit. And we pray for those who have asked for prayer. We pray